Good morning and welcome to Jew in the City Speaks with your host, Allison Josephs, also known as Jew in the City. On Martin Luther King Day, there is a lot that we can talk about in terms of the historic connection that the Black and Jewish community, and of course, I must say that there are Black Jews, so we have to acknowledge that as well, um, the bonds that we have shared for generations um, in this time of our post-October 7th world, reflecting on um, Martin Luther King's support of Israel. Um, he clearly stated that anti-Zionism is anti-Semitism, um, which was so clear and concise um, decades ago for him to say that. And that's an issue now that although it is um, apparently obvious to Jews all over the world who are being attacked in the diaspora um, for being Jewish, even though there is a conflict and a war going on in Israel, um, it was amazing that he stated those things back in those days. Um, and to, you know, kind of dig into uh, the relationship of the Black and Jewish community in the present day, I invited an incredible woman that I met recently. Um, we were both invited to a prayer group. And the most beautiful thing about this prayer group, it was that Black spiritual leaders uh, wanted to basically come and give comfort to the Jewish community for what we are going through. Um, I've done different roundtables, uh, interfaith roundtables with the Black community. I always get so much out of it because it is so clear to me that there is so much that we share, so much pain that we've lived through, um, and that we are stronger together. Um, and Victoria Boyd, my guest today, is really an exceptional woman. Uh, she was discovered by Jay-Z. She is a Grammy-winning singer and songwriter. Um, she actually sang for us on that call, uh, which was just incredible. Um, and I'm so delighted to have her here today. Uh, Victoria, thank you so much for joining us. That's my pleasure, Allison. Thanks for having me. So, um, you know, I think what I noticed about the song that that you wrote months before October 7th, uh, that really drew me to you. Um, you know, so the interesting thing about the song you wrote is that as an Orthodox Jew, I can't actually pronounce it because we don't say the name of God. So um, for, for educational purposes, um, I will state that it's um, El Shaddai, but we normally would call that Kale Shakai to not utter one of God's sort of unutterable names. Um, but this song is, um, is full of uh, verses from, you know, the Torah, you know, the Bible, uh, scripture that we share together. Um, and it really moved my heart. Um, and so I guess, first off, I would love to know where did that inspiration for the song come from? Um, what was your education like in terms of, you know, growing up with, uh, with the Bible? Yeah, yeah. So specifically for this song, um, it was the beginning of COVID in New York City. And um, everyone was told, go inside your apartment and don't come out till till further notice. And I just remember um, being in my studio and it, it just felt like it's the end of the world. And I just remember overlooking the whole city from my window. And, um, and I just had a prayer in my heart. Uh, the reports on the news were all uh, talking about dying. The fear of dying was what was uh, gripping all of society at the time. And I said, if, well, if we meditate on dying all day long, then we might have more deaths from suicide or just from the declaration of dying over and over. Like that's gonna have more power 
than um, the actual disease of COVID. So mm. I wanted to uh, flip this term of dying and and flip it from a from a declaration of death and use these same kinds of vowels to have a declaration of life. Mm. And so I decided to write a song called El Shaddai. And that's, that was my inspiration for, um, like, if I could just mix a song that is so catchy that, that has people declaring El Shaddai, El Shaddai, El Shaddai over and over again, they're going to be declaring life instead mm. of death. And so with that, being my objective, I went to my piano and I just started playing these chords. And I, I started immediately, my mind went to the children of Israel, because that is where God introduced himself as El Shaddai to Moses, um, when they were coming out of Egypt. And well, at first, first he introduced himself. Now I know it's completely different in the Torah, like the, the, the terminology and everything, but in the Bible, he introduced himself as I am. No, it's the and, same thing. It's the same thing. <laughs> okay. Yep. Yeah. And then, and then later on, he filled in the blanks of all that he is. I am your Jehovah Jireh. I am your healer. I am your defender. I am all these things. And so the first, the first name that he defined himself was, 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 I am Yahweh. And then it was later, if I'm not mistaken, I know you're a scholar on these things, but if I'm not mistaken, it was later uh, identified as El Shaddai, just all, almighty, you know? And so, and so basically I, I just kind of like was pulling themes from the journey of the children of Israel. And I used it for these verses, but I also wanted it to be through the sound and the lens of the, the, the need of today, because evidently we all needed a, a deliverer in that moment at the time. And so I wanted to, I wanted to play on all the times in history when, the, when there was need of El Shaddai and, and how the people that called on him would humble themselves and cry out and then he would respond. And so it was originally written in response to COVID, but now it's even more pointed, more specific. And it is, it is, it is exactly what historically the children of Israel um, uh, cried and now there's another posture of humility and crying out. And I, I, I feel as if this song, you know, was, was created exactly for that. And I think I might've told you this, that there is um, an idea in the Talmud that says that God creates the, um, the healing before the, um, the, the hurting. Um, and so in, in this uh, case, it, it does feel so on point. Um, and the Jewish people for sure are, calling out, um, with that sincerity, like I've never seen in my life. Um, where were you when you heard about October 7th? How did that, you know, I think I've heard from so many Jewish people, um, how we experienced it. What is that like for someone, you know, who is an ally of the Jewish people to see these horrific events unfolding, you know, to, and I think from your, 
your you know learning of the scripture and my sense of meeting you you hold the jewish people in really high regard so what does that look like to to um hear of these horrific uh updates yes well well i just want to just say just verbalize um my reverence for the jewish people and the reason being is because you guys carry you are the mark of the true and living God in the earth. You're the original first covenant people in the, in the earth. Everyone that's a Christian is engrafted into the original covenant and the original foundation that God set with between Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so as a Christian, I'm getting to learn more and more as I grow the origins of, of Jesus and the foundation that he came from. And in order to better understand my identity in, in Christ, it's important to understand who he is and, and the origins from which he came and the prophets that came before him and the original covenant people. And, and so when you look at history, there is always, there has always been a, uh, a force to kill and wipe out of the earth God's covenant people. Because if you remove the covenant people, then you're removing the mark of God in the earth. It's like, it's like you're removing the people through which, uh, through which um, God reveals himself and, and God governs, governs things. Now, I know that not every Jewish person even believes in God. I know that not every Jewish person is in agreement with God and his ways and his laws. And so I'm not saying that there's, there's like a special... Um, respective persons, but there is a specific chosenness. And when you've had to carry the burden of, I don't want to say burden, when you've had to carry the responsibility of being in covenant with, with the creator of heaven and earth, you know, and there's a responsibility with that, meaning you can't just live like everyone else and expect to get away with it. There's like, like you can't I just, just keep saying amen, amen to everything. And you know what? I think um, sometimes it does feel like a burden. There was an old Yiddish saying um, that I think pushed a lot of new immigrants out Jew. That was what some kids grew up hearing and sort of getting that message from their parents. They were like, well, I don't want to do it anymore. Um, and, you know, this is sort of an interesting point in terms of, assimilation and, you know, what Jewish and black people both face with racism and the fact that Jewish people have some ability for at least small periods of time to maybe assimilate, to maybe lose our way, to maybe blend in with the larger culture, but it always comes back. And I think the most fascinating thing is that I am someone that was raised more secular and became more observant. So I have dedicated my life to, you know, a relationship with God and, you know, studying the Torah and, and speaking to God throughout my day and 
really for, for the purpose of just living a life with a transcendent meaning. That's what drew me to uh, an observant life. I had an existential crisis when I was eight. There was a triple murder in my school. A father killed both kids and himself. And I was just launched into this you know, deep search of, does my life have a purpose? And after many years of insomnia and often on panic attacks, um, I discovered my own heritage and the wisdom and the richness in my own backyard. Um, but the thing is that most Jews today do live more assimilated lives. And what I would say is that October 7th was a wake-up call. And yeah. also a lot of Jews were warned. We were warned by parents, grandparents, that it always comes back. Um, it says during the, the Passover Seder, in every generation, our enemies rise up to destroy us. Um, and so this is, you know, and what I actually realized, again, because I've I've thought of the last few years um, a lot about the similarities that the Black and Jewish communities share. And it was a, a Christian Black man that said to me, and I, I appreciated his question so much, because sometimes it's hard to ask difficult questions or uncomfortable questions. He said, Jewish people seem to be doing okay right now. Kind of, you know, what's your persecution? And I stopped and I thought, and I realized, you know what? When I was four or five years old, my mom sat us down and said things were good in Germany and things were good in Spain and everyone eventually tires of its Jews and one day we may need to run too. So I carried that fear, that burden, that worry with me ever since then. Um, and when I asked people after this conversation, did you get such a talk? Did you get such a talk? I quickly discovered that many Jewish people get some version of that talk. Some people get a version of the talk of have your passport ready in case we need to run. And then I realized that this talk that Jewish parents give to their children is codified in our Passover Seder. And so, you know, the black community has familiarized the world with the talks that they give their sons. And it creates more empathy to understand what that might look like to have to have such fears. And I think the more that we can explain that Jewish people also live with, you know, with fears, with what could come in the future, um, then hopefully there will be more understanding. Um, you know, yeah. I would, love, I would love to get into a conversation. Um, so what, what was your like biblical, I guess, you know, training, like, you know, my kids go to Jewish school, which means that they're studying, uh, Jewish texts along with, you know, secular subjects. What, what does that look like in terms of Bible study for, um, you know, someone who grew up in, in, in your household, in your community? Yeah. So I grew up on the West side of Detroit, the, the urban inner city, um and uh so the way that detroit is is was in the 90s is that you know you either grew up as a st statistic you either ended up on the street drugs gangs pregnant as a teenager or you were in church all the time and your parents were um involved in church you were you know in bible study choir rehearsal all the things so you either came out really really good or really, really bad. Hmm. There was no middle ground because there it was almost like a war zone in hmm. terms of all of the traps that were targeting young people. Um, and and so and so in order to circumvent the system and the traps, my parents um, first of all they they just created a lifestyle that was very centered around biblical education as well as biblical lifestyle. And so that's how come I ended up with the name Victory 
and I have eight siblings and they all have biblical names or really Jewish names. So my, my oldest sister, her name is Liberty. And uh, then there's John Valiant, then there's Abraham, then there's me, I'm number four, Victory, and then there's Angel, and then there's Israel. And Israel is actually born on October 7th, which is wow. crazy. Wow. And then, um, and then there is Thalia Mosea. She's, her first name is named after our mom. And then Mosea is like a feminine Moses. Mm. And then there's Harmony. And then there's Michael. So mm. there's, there's nine of us. And, um, and so we were born and raised in Detroit. And um, now you can, as you can see, like you can, it was a part of our culture, you know, to um, know the, the plight of the children of Israel and then to call on the Lord in the same way as if, as if, as if we too are in their shoes because as if we too have the right to claim the promises that God gave to Israel, because through Jesus Christ we do. So it's it's not it's it's not that we say that we are Jewish, because we recognize the distinction, but we recognize that we have the right to claim the the heritage and the blessings through what the Bible calls adoption. Mm -hmm. So basically the Bible describes that through Jesus, we can be adopted into the family, the family of the saints and the prophets and all of the great patriarchs that, that, came, um, that came before us. As Gentiles, we get to be adopted and, and engrafted in. And so because of that foundation as a child, um, and being educated on that, you know, so we were actually homeschooled, you know, so we were able to circumvent a lot of the mm. normal, typical, um, all the traps, even that are just in the education system, mm. uh, you know, especially in low income areas. And, um, and so being homeschooled, we were able to uh, just have more emphasis on not just intellectual education but spiritual education so that way you know we can place proper value on the principles of god and i honestly think that a lot of the things that are um happening today with respect to anti-semitism is because of lack of spiritual education for most most young people because a lot of these things are spurring on TikTok mm -hmm. and, and the the platforms where you know it's really I mean, I, I understand that the, the narratives are, are hurtful, especially as they spread like wildfire. But when you understand that people genuinely just do not have education um, to understand full context, um, it, it, it kind of takes, and that's kind of like how I, as a black person, when I know that I'm going into an area that is majority white and that has not had much experience in black, circumstances i don't take microaggressions personally i don't take certain things i really don't even take things that are racist personally because 
if people are informed, that's a whole other kind of racism. When they are informed and they're intentionally coming against, you know, um, because of evil. But a lot of this that's going on is uninformed, um, just people not having an education and they're, and, and they're being swayed by, oh, this, this looks sad on TikTok of seeing kids dying and this looks sad and we need to fight and this and that. It's just, it's not education. So I was privileged to be informed just from a young age of just different world systems and faith systems and also just to be able to see the origins. I think, I think the Alliance, honestly speaking, is really not as deep amongst, if you generalize it as black and Jews, the Alliance isn't as deep just on the basis of blackness. Mm-hmm. And you've probably seen that, that there are a lot of uh, black people that you hoped would be standing with the Jews and and civil rights organizations and all sorts of organizations that just simply are not. And it's it it's you're going to find the connection amongst Christians and particularly Christians that are hopefully Christians that are black, but it's not going to be limited to Christians that are black because this connection when you're an educated Christian and you know that the only reason why we get to exist in such faith in communion with with Yahweh is is because this there was a covenant with the people that was that was stewarded for centuries and then when Jesus came he established a new covenant and we that allows us to be engrafted in and so if you cut the root then the branch doesn't stand mm. either you know what i mean so i really appreciate you saying this because what i will tell you is that some of the most meaningful conversations that i've had with black people um like moved me um and i saw the the connection and then some of the most disappointing things that I've heard, unfortunately, I've seen from also members of the Black community, and it was very confusing. And I will say that after this prayer group that I got to be a part of, and really where we were just prayed for and comforted, I realized that this connection through the Torah and the Bible and the scripture is really a huge part of, I went back to think about the biggest allies in the black community that I had had these meaningful, soulful conversations with, they were all religious Christian, uh, black women and men. Um, that's not to say that's not to paint with a broad brush because there obviously can be, you know, exceptions to every rule, but, um, that was a really meaningful discovery. Cause I think that the Jewish people have been feeling like, wait, what's going on. And there are some movements within the black community that, have gone in a different direction and there are followers within those movements and there's some pretty you know crazy messaging that came out before October 7th um and so yeah i mean i think um getting back to sort of the mlk you know subject one of the things that i learned at this roundtable um interfaith uh, events that i did last year was that 
just as the Jewish community marched uh, with a black community, you know, to fight segregation. Um, there were um, HBUs that took Jews fleeing from Hitler's Europe, Germany, um, to be professors in their schools so that they could have a job and they could get a visa and come over. Um, and so it's, I, there's so much that we share. Um, and, you know, I think it's so important that we uh, deepen that. Um, I don't know if you have any thoughts about like, you know, where do we go from here? Um, I mean, I think just sort of knowing, you know, what general direction to look in for, you know, allyship and, you know, places of, you know, shared understanding. But do you have any thoughts about how we um, make the the ties and the bonds of our community stronger as opposed to losing our way? Well, when I look at history and I look at um well when i when i i'm going to say biblical history of times when israel was in exile it happened over and over again from from being in egypt to being in in babylon with esther to babylon with daniel and and you know so many there's nehemiah and you know so many different times and it was the lord raising up um a deliverer right and so i think that there i think that there is i think that israel needs people to stand in the waiting time while we wait for the redemption of israel together with with and i think that more people need to be standing in hope and humility and prayer together with the Jewish people. I don't think that everyone has the capacity to do that. You know, I think that some people, because they're not looking at the holistic picture and history and all of those things, they're looking at um, this short time span, or some people are going back even to like, you know, 70 years ago, or however long ago when Israel became a state, but that, but that land is, has been promised to Israel by God for centuries. Thousands of years. Thousands of years. Yeah. Thousands of years, exactly. So, so not everyone has that full context. And so I think that, um, I think that um, it is a sensitive time because we haven't seen this this context where where people are vocally against the Jewish people and it's like overwhelming. But I think if if the, if Jewish people really identify the people that understand the full scope and lean in together with with out with true allies, you know, and it's not allyship based on race, it's allyship based off of spiritual kindredness and um and let's find people to ride it out together you know to pray in in through it together in the same way that the jewish people rode it out together with with blacks through the civil rights movement it's like because we're going to get to the other side of it i truly believe god is going to redeem all of israel all of the jewish people 
there's there's it's not it never ends in darkness it always ends in glory and there's so many um there's so many promises in the scriptures that talk about the redemption and the preser preservation and 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 god's faithfulness to israel specifically and so i, I we need people that will stand with you in faith believing this until we see the the full manifestation of it. I, I wholeheartedly agree. Um, we need to wrap it up now, but um, one of the messages that you wrote to me after we met at the original group, you said that the God of Israel lives. He's never forsaken the Jewish people before, and you don't believe that he ever will. Um, it touched my heart and my soul so deeply. Um, and um, just continue to pray for us. We'll pray for you. Um, I think, you know, even though we come to this from a different perspective and have a bit of a different idea of how the ending goes. Um, I think if we all pray for redemption, for peace on earth, um, there's going to be a good ending for, for the good people in the world. Um, and uh, I really appreciate your, your heart and soul, you know, in these matters. And um, I hope this gives some comfort to our listeners because we have been feeling so alone. And I wanted to kind of bring a little bit of that, comfort that I felt um, at that prayer group to everybody listening today. So um, keep on writing those beautiful lyrics and singing those beautiful songs. And thank you so much. I will. Absolutely. And thanks so much for listening. You can catch the same time, same place next week. Bye-bye.